think it's going. Yes, yeah, sweet. Is this episode nine then? Exactly. Uh, welcome back to Power Pitchers Podcast, season three, episode nine. We are up to now. Uh, it is just me and Vic Graham today. Vic, say hi. Hi, well, pleasure to be on here with you, Ed. Uh, always just us today for the first time. Uh, Benji, unfortunately, is not able to join us uh, due to his dog Diddy getting put down today, which is obviously quite sad. We're there with him yeah. as Vic laughs, which is horrible. Rest in peace, um, dog. Yeah, fair play. Uh, that is a pretty tough one. Um, and we can also say rest in peace to someone a little bit more uh, internationally and nationally known. And to Bobby Charlton, obviously, his first episode we've done since then uh, as a United fan. Can't really not not know who Bobby Charlton was, what he did as a player, what he did as a manager uh, for for United and for England as well. Um, a pretty sad day from around the world, and it was quite nice to be fair to see you know rivals get put aside for a moment when that kind of thing happens, and there was fans of all different clubs uh, sending their their love to the family. Uh, even last night in the United Copenhagen game, the Copenhagen fans in all fairness to them, they had a they had a banner in respect as well, which I thought was quite a nice touch. You know, especially if, if it was an English team, I'd understand it a bit more, but to be a foreign team and still put that effort in it is yeah, really absolutely. nice. So rest in peace to the legend that was Bobby Charlton. Uh, he's never going to be forgotten. He may have gone now, but as long as Man United is a football club, he will never be forgotten. Um and from that, we'll just roll straight into the games. Um, let's talk about your team first, Vic, because probably there were some good games this weekend, some derbies and stuff, uh, but this is probably the biggest one. And a shock, a shock draw. But really, Chelsea should have won. Yeah, I mean, from the start, I was thinking, when the lineups were announced, I was like, not sure how to feel. Um, and I was like, Arsenal went full strength. They had like Jorginho, Rice, Erdegaard. Like you could, you knew what Arsenal were gonna were gonna do when they um, when they came just to dominate possession. And we nullified them. I got to say, we absolutely nullified them. Our midfield dominated theirs. Um, a lot of you lot laughing about Enzo and um, our midfield, but to be fair, like we absolutely nullified Rice and Jorginho. To be fair, um, Rice didn't really get much of a sniff at all all game until the goal. Um, and then that's when they started to go into the game. But the, I'd say out of our team performance was brilliant. Like I couldn't have really asked for much more other than just sloppy mistakes that came towards the end of the game, which comes in like lack of experience. But we were brilliant. Like we definitely deserved to win. We should have had. We should have gone three 0 up when Raya gifted it to Palmer, um, and Palmer tried to like do too much. And then Jackson had like a one v one, and he tried to go around the keeper. But like mistakes like those where an experienced team, a serious, like, you know, killing team, they'll make it three and four. Whereas it was frustrating because when we were 2 0 up, I, was, I had that feeling. I was like, the game's not really over yet. And we had like half an hour left, and Sanchez makes a mistake, and that was it. And from then on, it was just like, it's just a matter of timing it from now, from Arsenal to get the second, because they just started to dominate afterwards. And yeah, it's frustrating because we really should have won that game. And our streak of, I mean, last time we beat a top six team was Spurs in the 21-22 season, I think, um, under Tuchel, and that was long ago now, like, looking back, and it's just embarrassing, like, the way we just give up leads like that, especially at home, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's frustrating again, but 
it's just sloppy mistakes. Like Sanchez just throws away the game like that. And I mean, the second goal, to be fair, it was cross back post. And yeah, it was just one of those where you take a draw, but not in the, not when you consider the context of us bottling it like like the way we did. Yeah, well, let's we'll go through each of the goals kind of uh, individually and talk about them because I, I mean, three of the goals I think are poor and there's a penalty. Um, the obviously the penalty, Saliba hands it, fair play. What we've seen this season, I mean, not every game. In all fairness, we've seen very similar handballs not be given as a penalty. Um, I see why it's given as a penalty. Obviously, his hand is outstretched; it's not an actual position. It definitely hits him in the hand, but I thought it was a little bit harsh in the sense of I don't think there's any Chelsea player at the, on the other side of the box I think it's another Arsenal centre-back definitely before it's another Chelsea player so it's not like the handball was was denying something do you know what I mean it was you know how like you could as an attacker you might not get the penalty because you're not in control of the ball it was a little bit like that in my head I was going yeah he's jumping so I get why his arms out there I, I see why it gives a penalty but wherever Cole Palmer well taken um, the second goal gives me serious um, anger. Not because of the goal or the goal scorer, but the reaction of people after that, about that said goal scorer, is infuriating. Why are people acting like Mudrick is suddenly coming amazing? I've he got scores to against Fulham. He Wait, he scores against Fulham, who are struggling, yeah? And he scores this goal, which is clearly a cross. Like, there's no, there's 0% chance that was intentional because when you watch it, it looks like a cross. And if you look at him, he looks up, looks at the man in the middle, looks up again, sees a man in the middle, then hits it. it it's clear, and like, from the flight of the ball, it's clearly a cross, and it's gone in the top of the goal, which obviously you take, there's no, it's a goal in it at the end of yeah. the day. But I've literally seen so much stuff about, you know, Mudrick scored more goals than this player, this player in October, Mudrick's back, Mudrick scoring now, we're going to be cooking, all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, chill out, this goal is not intentional. And apart from that, he did chuffle in that game. Yeah, I wouldn't say he, was, he had much involvement otherwise, but over the past six, seven games where he's actually started and been given a proper chance, like continuity, like it goals, like ignore the goals, just his overall play is improving and improving. And I think that's expected when the manager actually gives the player a chance and starts to get, didn't just like bring him off for 10 minutes, give him poverty minutes. He just starts him and gives him 70, 80 minutes and like we're see, I'm seeing improvements from him and it's exciting to see because I mean he cost a lot of money but I think goals goals like to aside he's his performances are still getting better and better but I get it like with the it was a bit of a fluky goal I admit it because he said himself in an interview he, he said himself in an interview that um the one of the goalkeeper one of the goalkeeping coaches told him that Raya ten, has like a tendency to be off his line so like that's like Darren Ben trying to claim that he meant to hit that red ball uh, for that shot years ago. There's just, of course, you're going to say that after the fact because you yeah. don't want to go, yeah, I got lucky as my like second ever Prem goal, and I was, it was just a bad cross effectively. Like if you know if it's half a foot higher, it's just over the bar and a terrible cross, and it's just managed to dip in unexpectedly. Like he, I think he can try and claim that all he wants, but tell his body language, tell his head when he's looking for who he's crossing it to, that that wasn't a cross. Yeah, to me, you, I, I don't believe the, what Mudrick said. I think it was one of, just one of those fluky goals. They happen, and to be fair, we don't care because 
you know, it makes it too oh, But you yeah. have to question Riot though, because Riot was dodgy all game, and like even after that, he gifted it to Palmer. Palmer should have scored, but then like he was making mistakes. Like both keeper made mistakes, but yeah, it was a weird one um, last week. I didn't, yeah, I I don't think the Riot Ramsdale situation helped either players. I mean, I remember when it's not nearly the same level because those because Ryan Ramsdale, in my mind, are quite similar level maybe have slightly different strengths, but a very similar overall level goalkeepers. But I even remember when Dean Henderson was pushing the United to, to get in over De Gea, and all of a sudden you saw De Gea making mistakes. And then when Dean Henderson played, he was pretty poor as well. Like, I remember that yeah. Liverpool game where they smacked us 5 Yeah, Is it 5 out of Trafford? And he had a horrendous game, Dean Henderson. And it was because... And I feel like what you actually see when you have two first goalkeepers is neither of them have the confidence yeah, in themselves and yeah. and it's in it's in your head too much that you either need to impress or you're very concerned about making mistakes because you think all right well if i make a mistake here i'm out next game or maybe say ramsdale now gets to start the next game he's gonna be thinking well i've got to do something in this game i've got to make this amazing like 60 yard pass yeah. to get into the team for next week or i can't make and i always anything said i cannot make a mistake cannot make a mistake i don't think that actually helps you the keeper um I think Arteta can pretend a bit like Mudrick saying you meant to score. Arteta can pretend that you can sub a goalkeeper off in the 60th minute. That oh, I don't think that's ever going to work, really. Like, what, what, what confidence is a keeper getting subbed on ever going to have? Like, you've not warmed up, you've not had any shots. You know, you've not had like those little simple shots that give the keeper goal like, confidence early in the game. You've not been able to play the ball around a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's instant big pressure. So I don't think subbing a goalkeeper on ever makes sense. Unless it's injury or red card, whatever, something like that. Yeah, um, I think you've always got to have a cons- consistent number one, don't you? I think. But I, I has there has there ever been a time where that's worked? I know that I know Wenger. I think was kind of the guy who made this whole league keeper goal uh, cup keeper thing. But I think even under Wenger, there was always a definite first yeah. goalkeeper and a definite second goalkeeper. Yeah, the second goalkeeper might be able to play in the cups, but that was you're going to play in those games because. This is my proper keeper. Um, so you spoke about the two Chelsea goals. Um, yeah, Sanchez, poor pass for Rice, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But Total I game. do, I do have to, I do have to give him a little, a little bit of leeway. And I do think the Chelsea players need to be yeah, putting pressure on getting the ball. Yeah, Gallagher. I think it's, it, I think it's like, en, is it Enzo and Gallagher? I think a, yeah. one, they're both each side of it, and it, they kind of look like they both think the other one's going to go for it. Neither of them do, and so Rice. For for a first time shot outside the box, it was Credit relatively easy. Yeah, yeah. He just had it's a, it's a great finish, and it, obviously to get it on target is difficult. But he's under no pressure, and it's an open goal, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. even though it's a really it is a really good finish, uh, it was made easier for him than it should have been for the Chelsea players. That was one thing. Sanchez do a little better. Gallagher, Enzo do better. Whatever. Gusto for the second goal, that is shocking. I've seen yeah, Aaron Ramsdale was... do this. You you cannot let a man go at the back post, two one up against a team that is one of your biggest rivals and it currently is a better team than you. You can't let someone run beyond you at the back post like that. And it, it's the fact that he's running with Trossard all the way, and then he kind of puts his hands up like saying, "Don't worry about it." I don't know what I don't know if he thinks it's offside or something like that, but he kind of got he slows right up and does this. And just lets Trossard like have a clean shot on goal, even though he's got a slight like die for it. And I literally saw that, and I thought, "What are you doing?" If I, if I was if I was um, Pochettino after the game, I'd be going acid at that. Like you cannot 
last 10 minutes of the game when you're winning by one goal, let someone go free at the, at the back post. That is that is very poor from him. I don't want to be too harsh on him because he did lock up Martinelli like pretty much the entirety of the game. But like the key moments where it really matters, like the last minutes where you get really tested and yeah, like he just fell asleep at the back post. And that's mate, it's it's the, that's the thing in football is you. I've seen so many players over the years have have a great 88 minutes in a game. But two minutes of it, they've had a minute, yeah. of, a moment of madness, or two moments of madness. And no matter how good you were the rest of the game, if you've had two stinkers that have caused your team to drop points, whether that be win to a draw or draw to a loss, that that's what gets highlighted. And I just, I, the first thing I thought when I saw it is, what the hell is the right back done there? Like, even if even if you know that Trossard's going to get there first, you know he could he could just throw himself that direction, just try and block that near post. And I think if he had done that, he he stops that shot. Um, and maybe you win 2-1 obviously goals change games of course but I just think he had to put more commitment in there and I'd almost have more understanding if this was against a worse team you know if you're playing Burnley or Luton or Sheffield United does that I get it more because in your head you might be a bit relaxed because you're not thinking of quality but this is Arsenal mate this is one of the best teams in England right now even if they've not been quite as good as last season they're still one of the best teams one of your biggest rivals you can't be switching off like that, I don't think. Yeah, I think I get, I get it because like it's an inexperienced side and you can make mistakes like that. But when you're at home against Arsenal in the league and you're 2-0 up and yeah, like the thing is with me, like I saw it coming in a way um, as soon as like they made it 2-1 and I was like, they're going to push us back more. And they're gonna... Well, listen to this. If, if, if that second goal was the first goal, I would get it a lot more because then yeah. if you were two nil up and then you leave them out the back post because you're just in a little bit like because Davis cool and you're thinking it's two nil anyway, I get yeah. it. But you've you've just conceded to go two one, not even what is it three or four minutes before that, and then you do that like, come on, yeah. I think you've, I think obviously he's young, isn't he? Uh, Gusto yeah. was he early twenties, um, so he yeah. he can obviously improve, but he he. Um, I think he's got to hang his head in shame a little bit there because I can't re- I can't really look at anyone else who could have made a bigger impact on that goal going in or not. You're brilliant cross from Saka as well. To be fair, like he made the space and then just whipped it in. And I mean, I think with Madueke, that was you know, couldn't really get near him. And then Saka, like, Saka was brilliant for the cross. Um, but yeah, the, the subs changed the game for them. But another brought Havertz on and he won a few like aerial duels. Um, Trossard, Trossard coming on, like yeah, just. Arteta made the right subs. We didn't ultimately. We didn't make the right subs because I think we should have gone to a back five. Whereas, like we went to a back four, we brought Madueke on, but then we put him on the left, and yeah, it just didn't really work. So then Mudrick went off, and then we just didn't. We just dropped deep and deep, and just you know we were happy with Arsenal to have the ball, and I get it because you're tuning up, but then you start making mistakes like that, and you just get. But complacent. this is the thing it as well. If, so if, times over the years. if that's how you're going to play, like you said, you can't get complacent. Then, if that's how you're going to play, then you need to be sharp as anything sharp on defence. That, yeah. That's that's where you put all your commitment in. You know what? If you fire a long ball and no one's even in their half to get it, that's fine when you're in that situation. But you can't be you can't be letting a man run loose on the back post. Um, but before we end up talking about this all day, we'll just jump over quickly to the other uh, derby of the weekend: Liverpool Everton. Um, I haven't got much in this game. I wasn't really impressed, to be honest. I think Everton probably played better than any of us expected. Um, Ashley Young's red definitely doesn't help Everton. Um, yeah. And then, and then we see 
the aftermath of that wrongly disallowed goal, don't we, when Canate doesn't pick up a second yellow. Um, because Ashley Young rightly gets a second yellow, you know, kind of half tactical foul. Um, and it's a yellow. Canate does an extremely similar challenge. If anything, it's probably more of a stonewall yellow because it's a counter-attack, isn't it? Yeah. And better would it doesn't get a second yellow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If if do you know what I mean, if if that was closer to the box, you know, if that was on the edge of the box, it could be a penalty, a red card, or something like. It, yeah. it is a it is a definite foul, and it is stopping a, a, a chance at least for Everton. Um, I Everton fans probably not be too annoyed. You know, they they would have expected to lose the game. Um, Liverpool have been pretty good this season, but I think actually after watching it and how it played out, they'd probably be a little bit annoyed. They didn't at least get a goal or something just to make it look, because the 2-0, I think, flatters Liverpool a bit. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a ball fest for a top 30 game. Like, you know, like, mm. not much really happened when I tried to look back at it. And I know Carl Lewin had like an early header or something in the opening stages, but then other than that, I mean, I don't really recall Everton having many good chances. I mean, it's expected when you go to Anfield anyways, and, you know, you know what Liverpool are like, but um, yeah, I don't think Liverpool were that good either. It was just, like, no. I don't think they were that as good as I thought they would be for a Merseyside derby where they normally turn up and smash everything. Um, 100%. Fair, fair play to Darwin Nunes, though, passing that ball at the end. Like He could have definitely just taken a shot on himself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. Passing to Salah there is obviously always quite smart if it's going to be Salah finishing on his left. As a guaranteed yeah. goal, and it was it was a counter attack, wasn't it, as well? Where Everton looked because that was when Everton started getting into game a little bit when it was only one nil, it was late on, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was in the 80, into the 80th minute again, and um, yeah, I feel a little bit for Everton, but I I, I think it's actually looking up for Everton. I, I mean, every week on this pod, I, I've generally been quite negative about Everton, I thought they were guaranteed to go down. Um, their underlying numbers weren't terrible, I think, early even in the early games of the season when they were losing everything. Um, but they look very poor, but, you know, they've, they're improving. And I think from the state of some of the other teams, they should actually be safe because. There's worse teams definitely, there, There's a few worse teams. Well, we knew, we knew it it's harsh, but we kind of know that Luton and Sheffield United are going down. That's yeah, almost a guarantee. And I think Everton are definitely in the conversation still, but. Bournemouth not playing well, are they? Fulham aren't playing well. Forest aren't playing well. Burnley aren't playing well. Burnley, I think uh, Burnley are definite. Benji will, you know, try to argue otherwise. But, uh, well, the thing Burnley is, Benji, Benji will be annoyed about it at the moment. But when company gets sacked by game week 12, then he won't like Burnley anymore. And he will not care. He'll be like, get them relegated. They sack company, let them get relegated. Like, and they just will well, probably more like stay up under a manager. Uh, well, should we, right, we'll, we'll talk about that game as as we've rolled so well onto that. Um, haven't got much written down about it. I was impressed that Brentford actually managed to come out of a good performance. 3 0 is always a very good performance that Brentford have been struggling this season. They've not been even half the team they were last year. And Buemo is obviously having to carry the mantle of uh, Tony and the, all the goals and assists that he brought to the team. Um, but yeah, I think Burnley are in a bad way and I think if company I always said straight away at the beginning of the season teams get promoted and they try and play good football get battered Doesn't and normally no. normally what happens is that 
they get battered to the point where the manager gets fired or they get battered and then the manager in hope of saving his job goes, right, let's play this smarter, let's go more defensive. Company, I think, is still trying to stick to the guns of playing attacking and he just doesn't have the attacking quality in the Premier League. Like, even against United, we only beat them 1-0, but, like, their attack just looks toothless and our defence isn't good this year. Like, I, I don't see how they can play an attacking style of football when they just don't really have the quality to play that in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a massive learning curve for company because he's just a few years into his managerial career, and you, know, you come up to the Premier League and you can you have to expect a few smashings here and then. But it's the same with Lampard. Remember Lampard at Everton when he was trying to play out the back and he just didn't have the players for it, and then he adapted and went defensive, still got the sack in the end. But it's it's a learning curve for company, and I think I mean watching the game, if you look at Brentford goals, to be fair, two of them were bangers, like the Godos goal and Burma goal. Um, to brilliant hits. Um, but yeah, I much needed win for Brentford, but for Burnley, I just I think it's pretty much already safe to write them you know, out of the Premier League for the season because they haven't got much quality really. I don't think they've got like any no. established, noticeable players uh, in attack or defence even. I think the only thing that stops Burnley from going down currently is Bournemouth because. I do think Bournemouth probably have a little bit more quality in the team, but they're really struggling as well. And I don't know if they've have they even had a win yet, Bournemouth. I think they're still on zero. Yeah, Bournemouth and Sheffield United are still the two teams to go without a win at the moment. Um, but then Bournemouth have, have managed three draws, so they're only a point behind Burnley. Burnley have had one win, one draw. Do you know what I mean? It's I don't think getting drawing a lot of games keeps you up, but you need a few not wins at the stage. But they're just not losing at that same rate as as Burnley are. Um, but Sheffield United, especially one point after nine games, minus seventeen goal difference. Like, and in all fairness, Burnley are on a minus minus sixteen goal difference. When you consider they've had a win as well, like that is really a bad bad start. Um, the fact that Bentley Benji at one point said that they should be on the same level as Villa just makes me want to put a hole in the side of my head like that is lunacy Villa are unbelievable Burnley are so far off the only thing similar about Burnley and and fucking Villa is the colour of their kit beyond that they are very (laughs) different yeah do you know what I mean Um, Brentford up to 14th with that win two wins four draws three losses it's not a great start really it's not it's not terrible yeah but it's Definitely not Brentford, mate. It's not. Do you think they should sell Ivan Tony in January, or do you think they think, nah, let's let's solidify this season and maybe try and get more money from him in in the summer? Yeah, I think the summer, and I think Tony himself. I mean, I think we all know that Tony's going to leave at some point anyway. It's just a matter of when. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably the summer. And if you obviously Premier League clubs themselves would be looking at him. Um, Chelsea might be one of them, but. Um, yeah, I'd say. I mean, to be fair, even without Tony, they're still been doing okay. Like I know the pressure's been on Burma weeks, so, but I'd say they turned up quite well. Um, and yeah, I'd say to finish around 12th, 13th, it's. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't like. Have, yeah, but where did they finish last season? Eighth, ninth. Yes, they beat. They, they won a lot of games last season. I remember they were just smashing it. Um, exactly, and that's a it's a big drop off, like, and. You've seen how many teams have come up to the Prem, you know, built up a bit of steam and then suddenly completely fall off. Do you know what I mean? And just completely drop off a lot when that momentum, when that excitement kind of drops off. 
Like, I know, obviously, Tony is coming back. There is, in all fairness, there isn't a guarantee that he's going to come back in the way that he was playing before. Joe, you know, it's, it's a long yeah. ban. He's, had. Time, he's not been playing games. He's not going to be match sharp. He's probably not going to be match fit, really. Um, obviously, if you're doing a lot of fitness training, but it's not the same as playing a game, is it? Um, and, yeah, I, I'm a little bit not worried about Brentford this season. Maybe not even next season. This might sound stupid because why do I care so far down the line? But they're just looking a bit of a trajectory of teams that have Started been up for six, you maybe stay in the Prem for four or five years and then drop down. Look at Burnley, obviously going down season before last. Um, Sunderland, mate, were a team that you know they used to come up in the Prem and be there for a few five, six, seven years and then they drop off. It's Sheffield United uh, and they, Wilder, to be fair. Yeah, so there you go. Eight or something, and then they fell off. And I think if if Brentford, I mean, cause especially if they sell Tony, I mean, if as long as they spend that money well, they'll probably be all right. And and their signings generally have been quite good, so they might be all right. But yeah, I would, I'd be a little bit wary. I think if I was working higher up in that club, I'd be trying to make some plans for the next couple of years because they definitely do not want to drop off any more than they have so far this year because then they would be in danger. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, like, the, the talk around Thomas Frank anyway isn't about, like, how good of a manager that he is. So then I'd expect him to overachieve somewhat with Brentford anyways. Even without, like, that quality player, I still expect them to do, like, better than usual, considering the hype that Thomas Frank gets anyway from pundits especially. So, anyways, the jury's out, really, I think, for next season onwards to see if, like, um, Thomas Frank, you know, really is that guy for him. Because he's done well. Like, all I'm going to say is he did brilliant last season. Done okay this season, but, but the good managers, but they're that's, a, that's the thing with with this season. I mean, you go, well, they did really well last year, but they had Ivan Tony, who was like probably almost, a, if not a top six level striker, with Mbwemo, who's a decent young player. I didn't realise how young Mbwemo was. I thought he was like 28, he's 24. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of teams that managed to stay up have relied on a good striker. I mean, like, remember when Swansea were unreal when they had Michu and then Wilfred Bonnie yeah. as well? Like, because when you have a good striker that scores you goals, and you, as long as the rest of your team just defends, you know, that, that can get you results. Um, and and that's the thing. I'm not disrespecting Thomas Frank. I'm sure he's obviously a very good manager. To even manage in the Premier League, you have to be a very good manager, of course. But was Tony making him look a slightly higher grade than he was? Because Tony is such a versatile striker. Like he, yeah, he scores a goal, but he also, you know, helps with the build-up. He's the one who gets the ball down from the air. He he holds up the defender and passes it off to someone like in Buemo, whoever. Um, and now without him, you know, it's not like Brentford have kind of found a new way to play without that striker, which is what the best managers yeah. do, isn't it? They find a way to play with whatever they've got. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens about Brentford this season. Uh, I think, like you say, I think they're going to fin- they're probably stay around where they are now, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, but we'll roll on to um, another game crucial in the uh, relegation battle, to be fair. Nottingham Forest Luton. Two all, to be fair. Um, probably a more interesting game than anyone expected. I know Forest have won the luck, then Luton with 2 1 up, uh, and then back to 2 all. I mean, huge. Any points Luton could pick up is always quite impressive. Um, but Forrest and Luton, 
Oh, the great teams, are they really? Uh, and the thing is that with Nottingham Forest, they've made a lot of changes over the past season. Last season, they just about stayed up. And you give a bit of credit to Steve Cooper for last season, but I see the squad, like even on paper, it's not that bad when you consider like the attacking options to have. Like, I want they should be beating. The they should be beating Luton. Luton at home, yeah. Like, that's the thing that like, with the quality that they have at the disposal, they should be winning games like this, especially at home. Um, yeah, they yeah. they're definitely better than the they they probably have more quality than definitely Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, and Sheffield United. Everton, you could maybe argue have more quality than Forest, but apart from that, all the teams below them, they definitely have a better team than on paper. Yeah, especially it's the attacking options, isn't it? Like when you look at Hudson and Dialang, Awanye, probably missing a few other players. Um, but yeah, like, um, Morgan gives white as well. Isn't it? Yeah, and then he's class. Yeah, I heard a lot about him. Um, and but yeah, like, to, to credit to Luton though because I um, I was watching it on Soccer Saturday where like um, they had the pundit, um, pundits on and they, they were talking a lot about Andros Townsend because he signed for them and I pretty much forgot about that. Um, and, like a short term deal and then he changed. He came on and changed the game for him apparently. So you credit to him because he he's been around Premier League for years and he's got that experience. And then games like these where you need to come clutch and I know he didn't score but then he he came on and changed the game so yeah it's a big point for Luton because you know for Luton you don't know where like your next point where they're going to come from um, but yeah games like these where Forest really should need that you have to win um, especially when you're at home when you're at home you're in front of your fans you've got to win these I mean in all, in all fairness what I would say for Luton as well is uh, we've all written them off and my brain still tells me they will be relegated in this season. But the one thing that could probably save them is getting a, a weird little bit of confidence with picking up these kind of results. Because, like, they are ahead of Burnley. They've got seven better goal difference. Um, Everton are only two points ahead of them, you know. If they, I think if they can just keep kind of getting... I know, obviously, they beat Everton, didn't they? Um, you know, if they, if they can just kind of get anything from the teams around them especially getting a point away from home and a win away from home you know um, it's that might help them you know they maybe right now they're just absolutely buzzing and they're looking at it going there is three teams in this team in this league that we can be better than and I mean if they were to stay up in the in the league this year it would be one of the sporting stories yeah. of like all time it would be it would be crazy for them to stay up yeah, because the odds certainly are against them to go down. And like when you consider the squad, like they haven't got any quality players, like any real quality players. So Ross Bartley. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about him. Um, but yeah, when <laughs> quality when player, think, not great body. Yeah, um, I mean he was brilliant one year at Everton years back. Um, but then I think not really got any other players. I'm doing like I'm trying to think. Um, They've got the left no. back Giles. He was decent at the start, um, the first game of the season. I remember him, but then that I can't really think of any. Um, Andros Townsend, but he's not really a you know Premier League quality player. But um, all right, well let's yeah. um, let's stop talking about the the teams at the bottom and let's talk about some teams of a slightly higher quality. Um, let's go to. Newcastle Palace, I think that's that's the one that's calling my name. Um, and Newcastle just once again showing their 
really good team. They are a really good team. They play really good football. They are solid defensively and offensively. You know, they're doing well in the Champions League. I know they drew to Milan, obviously smashed PSG. We've got to see how they do against Dortmund tonight. I mean, if they get even a point from Dortmund tonight, like they are almost a guarantee to go through the group of, of death, one of the worst Champions League groups I've ever seen for difficulty. Um, I, I said to Benji, I think on the first or second episode of, I think it was the first episode of this season in the pod, that it would be really interesting to see how uh, Newcastle transitioned from the defensive team they were last year, because they were a very defensive team last year. They didn't quite have the attacking output. Um, I know Isaac came in in January and kind of changed that, and made them much better attacking. But before that, they hadn't. They weren't. They were just building off a really good defence. Uh, but they now are an incredible attacking team as well. Uh, obviously, they beat they beat Villa, didn't they? Five one first day of the season. They beat Sheffield United eight nil, didn't they? last week or the week before um and eddie howe and his staff are i get a lot of credit and they deserve it it's it's very impressive that the way that some of the players have turned around as well because there's still players in this team who are there when newcastle yeah, battling relegation yeah. long staff joel linton obviously was signed as a striker is now a brilliant center mid um dan burn yeah, yeah. Almiron, obviously, ever since um, Grealish took the piss out of Almiron, he's actually been pretty good. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually what impresses me the most from Eddie Howe, because I, we all knew Saudi took over, it was going to be big signings, and I just thought, right, well, the, they're going to make good signings, that's going to make the team better. But actually, the impressive thing is, yeah, these Coach. players who have been there, have stepped up a level yeah these were te- these were players who probably newcastle fans themselves were saying just get rid of them get out of my club hashtag i'm on out i bet was tweeted a few million times by newcastle fans you know what i mean and now he's one of their best players like the team all over is really good um anthony gordon is absolutely on fire brilliant he's looking brilliant he's been uh, he at that 20 under 21 euros he was unbelievable wasn't he and he's just kind of continued that for for uh for newcastle and in all fairness, Anthony Gordon, if he keeps playing at this all season, she may be in the England team for the Euros. Like maybe starting. Sterling and Rashford. Yeah, Sterling and Rashford up. haven't. Sterling actually, that's hard. Sterling, Sterling has. Sterling has been decent. Rashford has not been great this season, but you never know. Like he scored obviously for England against Italy, didn't he? And he can pull you something out, but. Just, I'd say Gordon's probably having a better season than Sterling, though. For for expect for the expectation for the for the quality of players around them as well, like on paper at least, and for consistently getting goals and assists, mate. Andy Gordon's having an amazing season, and it's a lad who's what twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think for him to start in the England squad is a bit of a big shout. I mean, there's surely someone else that we're missing that can play off the left. Well, you could you can put other players out there. You could put Grealish. You can put you could even maybe put Madison maybe out there. Um, it's but probably what honestly, mate, will do though, isn't it? So. I I'm a I love Rashford. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Rashford. I remember him coming through. But if I was Southgate right now, I'd I'd be bringing on Gordon over Rashford, hundred percent. Maybe not starting him, but I'd want to sub him on and see how he does. And then maybe starting yeah. like you know what England like their group their group in the Euros be piss easy it always is like you'll have two terrible teams and an all right one against one of the terrible teams especially if it's a, you know if it's the last game of the group you're already through I consider starting it mate 
Yeah, it's a shout, certainly. He has been fantastic this season, because I know last season he wasn't involved so much. He wasn't, you know, clicking fully. But then this season, he's played off the left um, mostly, and he's been brilliant every time I've watched him. Um, so, yeah, massive thing. The but... thing is, well, you, you want to blood these players in, mate. He was amazing for England under twenty ones. He'll know some of the, he'll know some of the players, you know. And look at someone like Jude Bellingham, mate. He he's what 20, 21, 22, Maybe he's an absolute monster. Like age isn't really the problem here. And when someone's on fire in the league, I think you should give him opportunity. I know Southgate lied years ago about saying he's going to pick players in form and has never done it since. But if he was actually going to do that, mate, I think Anthony Gordon would be well in with a shout at starting for England. Yeah. I mean, credit to the, I'd say, I'd say for Newcastle as well, credit to the fringe players that are coming because like Jacob Murphy, he, he scored in the game and he was brilliant. Two, um, and assist, I think. Yeah. And like, even just the other fringe players that are coming and do a job, like Longstaff. And it, I mean, normally he wouldn't start a game when they'd have Willock and Joel Linton in, but Longstaff, Lascelles even, um, and probably missing a couple of other players, but players that just, that have been at the club for years and sort of get forgetting about in, you know, amidst all these new signings, but when they still come on the pitch, they still do a solid job. And I, and I mm. think that's where you have to like really credit Eddie Howe and his staff for like the coaching, because it's not just about having the players and waiting for them to like produce on the pitch. It's about coaching them right into a proper setup. And like when you watch Newcastle, you know what you're going to get. Like physically, they're dominant, and technically, they're very good as well. Like they play good football. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I mean, they're one of the few teams I'd say like alongside Arsenal as well where. You watch them, and it's not really like any glaring weaknesses in the team. Like they have height, they have physicality, they have quality in the attacking areas. They have that weight that you need, and they have quality, like just that extra bit of quality that they have. Both teams have that, and um, yeah, credit to Eddie Howe because I think not a lot of us would have expected him to do it as well as he's done yeah. um, since coming in. So no. I think I mean the only thing that will let Newcastle down and. Um, is maybe a lack of experience being the better being the um the favorite in a game like we saw against Liverpool when they didn't end up winning that game and they probably should have really when Liverpool you know had 10 men for for the majority 60 70 minutes of that game they had 10 men and and Newcastle were the better team especially in the first half first 60 minutes but didn't get that goal and that's the only thing I could think would stop Newcastle from doing something quite impressive this season. You know, if they if they give up a few of those games against the bigger teams, that might catch them out. But not like Newcastle fans would care. Do you know what I mean if they if they have even if they have a few of them results and they finish second or third in the, in the Prem this year, they will be more than happy. And then going into next year, when they're going to probably sign even more players in the summer, and their team will should should only improve really. They're looking like a serious yeah. outfit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd say on from last season, I'd say they could they well take to get top four, but in terms of like getting second, I'm not so sure because I'd say City and Arsenal are nailed for that. Um, but oh yeah. no, I don't think Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal were nailed on for second at all. I do not think so. <laughs> I don't think Arsenal have been impressing me nearly as much as they were last year. I think I mean, Tottenham, they certainly haven't been as good. Tottenham have been Tottenham have been getting have have had a few lucky-ish results, but result were a result at the end of the day. And I think that I think our Tottenham are looking as good, if not better, than Arsenal. I think Newcastle, like as you say, all over the pitch, I think have been better than Arsenal, in my opinion. 
they haven't had the same results because the thing is like the Arsenal start of the season didn't they with like two one Palace no, two one Forest one nil against Palace. Um, they've had a lot. T- they've had a few tight games, haven't they? Um, I mean, even even drawing to Chelsea. I know Chelsea actually probably deserved to win the game, but you know, last year that would never that wouldn't have been yeah. the one, would it? Really, you were expecting them to win. Um, and I, mate, I I wouldn't. I'd be incredibly impressed, but I would not be massively surprised if if Newcastle ended up being a consistent team because it depends, you know, the so when you injuries could like, hit that team. When you consider the amount that Arsenal have spent like over the past few summers and like the expectation on that the hard like last season missing out on the title, if they don't finish top two, then I'd say it's a bit Yeah, but I think the expectation table, kills you. That's the thing. Pre- pressure, pressure can kill teams. Pressure can kill players. And so happened at the end of last season, mate. It's the reason they didn't win the league is the pressure got too much. They bowled it. I know they had injuries, but the, the pressure got too much. Definitely, you see it in the games. Um, yeah. Mistakes, mistakes came into it. Poor results came into it. They weren't there all year. Um, and I think Newcastle don't have that. That's the thing. Everything that Newcastle do, despite having the very rich owners, despite making some very good signings in the, since since the new owners came in. The expectation still isn't on Newcastle to be doing well in the league, and I think because of that, you know they can just keep rolling with it, and they can just keep playing the way they're playing. Like you said, they've got good players all over. They're working well as a team. Fringe players are doing well as well. The team, the fans, the club will be buzzing, and I, I, I do think Newcastle are really in that conversation uh, right now. You'd think it would be City, Tottenham, Arsenal, Newcastle's top four probably. Liverpool obviously are in the conversation, but I don't think Liverpool have been consistent as those four teams, as of yet, at least. Their defence has been a lot more shaky Liverpool than those teams as well. Yeah, that's the thing for Liverpool, isn't it? Because they're not in the Champions League this year, and if they don't make the top four, top five this season, then they'll be crying. Yeah, they'll win. No Champions League for two years. Nah, they surely win the Europa League, Liverpool. I think I think for Liverpool to not win the Europa League would be a would be a failure this year. I think they should like. It, it probably is easier to win the Europa League than it is to get top four in the Prem, especially with the way the Prem is this year, with how many good teams are in there. And yeah. I think Liverpool should easily piss the Europa League, to be honest, unless unless someone amazing drops down from the CL somehow, like maybe PSG somehow oh, third in, the, in their group. <laughs> oh, what as if we'd stop Liverpool in a fucking game over two legs? No chance. <laughs> um, we might not even get. We might not even be in third, mate. At the end of this group stage, the way we're playing. Um, but I think Liverpool would, should easily win the Europa League. So even if they weren't to get top four, I think that they're, they're probably setting up with CL either, either way. Um, well, as we just spoke about United and we were talking about a good, uh, a well-coached team, let's talk about the poor coach team that is Manchester United. Um, just such a such a bad game. Um, I, <laughs> I wrote these d- during the game. Both are terrible. I think that was about 30 minutes in. Both Uniteds are shocking. Uh, United did have a lot of close calls. To, to be fair, not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we deserved to smash Sheffield. We didn't. We weren't a great team. But I think. I think Bruno hit the ball from a free kick. I think we hit the. I think we hit the frame like at least two, if not three or four times that game. Um, Hoyland had a couple real close chances that either just didn't get the touch on or. Keeper manages to get to it. Um, but the biggest thing I want to talk about, and this is also to do with 
the Copenhagen game for United is, yes, Scott McTominay can score you a goal in a game, but he makes the team so yeah. much worse by being in it. Uh, in that in that Sheffield United game, uh, scores a goal, then gives away a penalty, um, and over the 60 or 65 minutes he played, completed nine passes. From central midfield, nine passes is a disgrace. But like that is that that's you put me at number ten for Man United. I get nine passes, complete pass in a game. Do you know what I mean? Like that is that is shining away from the ball. That is not going to do anything. And he's playing the Copenhagen game. Ten Hag's obviously desperate for just anyone to score at the moment because we were struggling to score so much. He's put him at like Cam, basically second striker, and he's just he's actually just so bad at playing with the ball. Like Robbie Savage, the whole game. I don't about five or six times. Robbie Savage was like always dominant, always useful. And I'm like, mate, this kid is this guy's making our teams, and he gives away another penalty. We'll get to that, but it, it, he makes the team so much worse being in it. And yes, he could score you a goal, but right against Brentford, you sub him on the last 15 minutes, you're putting everyone into the box, he gets the two goals. That is the only time Scott McTominay should ever play for Man United. Last 15, you lose him by a goal, and you just need to put everyone in the box. Bring McTominay on then, yeah. Don't don't expect him to ever take a touch, turn on the ball, pass to anyone else. Just lump him in the box to see if it drops to him and he can score. Never never start him ever again. Like he he's just not good enough on the ball to start for Man United. He isn't, and he and he shies away from the ball way too much. And then when he does get it, like so slow on the turn, so easy to rob of the ball. Like he just really doesn't have that quality, and. I'm, I used to like him, but I'm just, I just get more and more sick of him whenever I watch him play. It just seems to be so many mistakes. Um, obviously, gave away that penalty last night, and it, thank Christ, Onana had a good game yesterday. I managed to save that penalty because if not, we would be out of the Champions League definitely. Like, um, and I think we probably still will be anyway. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to see McTominay. The only way I ever want to see McTominay start for United again is if every single other senior midfielder in the club is injured or on a red card. Like, I would I would be putting in Hannibal, Kobe Mainu, fucking Martinez, Lindelof. I'd put anyone else in midfield over, over McTominay because he's just so bad on the ball. The only, Or, if you if he's going to have to play like that, if Hoyland gets injured and Martial's injured, fucking leave him up at striker. Yeah, put him at striker and just let him see if he can get something in the box. But don't expect him to do anything else because he just he just doesn't have it in him. And and the English press love British players so much, and it's so painful because if Scott McTominay was Spanish or Italian or Portuguese or anything else, he'd get rinsed every week, and he would they wouldn't let him get anywhere near the team without commenting on how bad he was. But because he's British passport, because he's helped Scotland get to the Euros again by scoring goals, yes, but. What else does he offer in these games? Yeah. Not very much. And even in national football, which is slow, he's still not amazing on the ball. Yeah, the problem with McTominay is look, he lacks the fundamentals that you need as a midfielder, like awareness, just positional discipline, knowing when to drop, mm-hmm. knowing when to receive, and he just doesn't have following, like, following midfield runners, everything. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. He doesn't have that sense. His technique, and, even like just basic passes, like he's very like telegraphic in the way he moves and plays, like. It, it's obvious where he's going. He's just not and, a midfielder, is he? He's just not like and a giving away, midfielder. Right, so in the last three games, he's scored three goals. But he's also given away two penalties. And it's like, 
and it's the two games that he started, he's given away a penalty in yet. Don't. Don't start him again. If you start him in the derby, we're fucked. If we if McTominay starts against City, we're in tr- big trouble because they they will just batter him. I remember him scoring that goal years ago against me, beat him 2 0, but that was oh, well, I just think quite, quite jammy. Yeah, yeah. But again, doing he can fast. shoot. We know we know he can shoot, but that's that's all he really offers you. I mean, sub, last 10 minutes when we're getting battered like 2 0, 3 0, then bring him on and see if he can do something. But oh, I don't want to see him playing. Um, the penalty actually as well after rinsing him a lot I will say the penalty that we gave away against Sheffield United was a little bit harsh uh, a handball in the box one of these awkward ones where it was quite close to his body though um, United I think so far this season have had three three penalties for handballs in the box denied from like for the other like for United to score and we've given away three handballs in the box for the other team. And I don't know why. I don't know what the consistency is. And it makes me angry. But in this game, you shouldn't really be relying on penalties against Sheffield United. Do you know what I mean, you should, you should be beat. Like, even if they get a penalty, you'd still expect to beat them by a few. Um, you just don't play very well as like a coaching team. Like, the hype, for the hype that Tenard gets, like, and last season you did really well, and a lot of that was reliant on Rashford. To be fair, but I just don't see it as a team. Like the the cohesion well, isn't there. I, I, mate, I don't see it. The thing is, last yeah, but last year we were good when Eriksson was next to Casemiro. Uh, Bruno was playing well. Yeah, Rashford was scoring like every game, and our defence was solid, so we weren't conceding lots of goals. So we were being able to win games because or draw draw a nil-nil or you'd win by a goal or something because yeah Rashford would just have a moment of brilliance and the defense would keep a clean sheet this year now we've had so many injury problems at the back Rashford's not even close to playing like he was last year Bruno's not been nearly as good as he was obviously had problems with the Sancho and Anthony out on the right it's the attack it's the attack getting worse than it like losing what it had last year and the defense losing what it had last year. Yeah. Um, and on the one hand, I look at I look at teams like Newcastle, like uh, Postecoglou with Spurs, and I think you know the great coaches who are coaching their team to do great things. Um, why can't Ten Hag do that at United? But then I think this Ten Hag isn't the first good manager to be at United who struggled. You know what I mean? David Moyes doing better at West Ham than did Man United. Lou Van Gaal was a historically good manager, didn't do very well at United. Mourinho, one of the best managers of all time, didn't do very well at United. Oli obviously didn't have many tactics, but had the vibes at least. Didn't do very well. And I I think the coaching staff, I I start have to come into question. I think our medical medicine medical staff have to come into question because we have been one of the most injury prone teams. Same probably Premier League right? history. Yeah. Now, nah, but this year has been bad. But I mean, every year gone by, we have players out for months at a time, months and months and months. Every single season, we have two or three, if not four, five, six first team players be out for months at a time from injury. Um, you know, you could try and spin a positive and say that maybe because everything's going in the background at United, because of the sales, because of you know people fearing they're going to lose their job once so the gym comes in. Maybe that has an effect, but at the same time, like, grow up, play your football. And if you don't want to get sold or you don't want to get sacked, 
do your job effectively. That's how that's how you guarantee. But Harry Maguire, in all fairness, I've been I've been very happy to criticize Maguire. He had been extremely poor for 18 months. He's had a decent three games, not against great opposition, but he's had a decent three games, you know, and a fair play to him. You know, he's he's kept his head down and he's working hard. And because of the injuries to, to Martinez and how often Varane's injured, he gets he gets a chance. And Maybe when Sir Jim comes in, he goes, look, maybe we need to lower your contract. You're a little bit less money. Are you happy to be a third, third or fourth choice centre-back? But, yeah, there, there's a lot of problems at United. On the pitch, off the pitch, behind the scenes. We have, <laughs> All of this, I'm so doom and gloom. We've got three wins and a bounce somehow. But we only ever win a game by one goal. The only game this season we've one by more than one goal was when we beat Palace 3-0 in the cup. Apart from that, every win has been by one goal. Um, your midfield is right? Like, when I look for your team, like your midfield especially, the over-reliance on Casemiro and then Mount's not, Mount didn't start yesterday. There's a lot of talk about that. But like, Mount, like, Mount didn't, midfield, even, Mount didn't even get a minute. And... Yeah. Here's, here's the thing, good. though. Here's the thing. When... So when... Again, in this game, actually, it was this game, Sheffield United... It was uh, Amrabat and McTominay at first, and Amrabat really struggled in the first half. It looked really off it. Second, Ericsson came on for McTominay, and he was get and you have that smart player there. All of a sudden, Amrabat looked a lot better. I I thought we signed Mount to replace Ericsson, um, but Mount can't offer us what Ericsson. Ericsson is just such a smart player. Quality player. Like yeah. defensively, obviously, he does does get run past, but he just controls the game so much better. And honestly, I was thinking about it today. This definitely won't happen, but honestly, for that, for the City game, if all the midfielders are available, I would go Casemiro, Amrabat, Eriksen at Cam. That would be the midfield I'd put out, and I would consider dropping Bruno because he just isn't himself at the moment, and put Anthony on the right and Rash on the left. Even though both of them could also be dropped, we need you need the pace against City because the only way United will score against City is a counter attack. Um, There'd be an argument for Garnacho, to be fair. Garnacho is quick, but he's just not quite as ruthless as Rashford can be. Um, he's a nice sub player, though, isn't he, Garnacho? I mean, I know. Yeah, I, but at the same time, if you, if you put Rashford yeah. on the bench to start Garnacho, Rashford's not exactly a bad sub to bring on, is he? Um, but, yeah. The, I don't know if Ten Hag will have the ball to drop other... Bruno. I don't know if Ten Hag will drop Bruno. I don't think he will. I can't see it. Yeah. It's the problem because the problem with Bruno and Rashford is that they're they're so good at moments. They're so good at just pulling something out of nowhere. And when the team isn't playing well, that's kind of when you need that kind of player the most because you need moments. We are moments FC. It's a bit of a classic we get thrown at us, like we are. Um and but when we're playing, do you know what I mean? If we were playing really well, it would probably be easier to drop Bruno or Rashford because you could say we don't need someone who's just good in moments. We need someone who's consistently throughout the game good. Um, but we're not in that. We're not in that position. And I mean, the Mount signing still boggles me a little bit. Why we did it? Um, what his role was meant to be? And honestly, like maybe, maybe Mount is Bruno's replacement. Maybe, maybe Ten Hag. Because even the price. Yeah, but I, how much I, did you get him for? Like. 60, 70 million? No, no, Bruno was, was like, Bruno was like 37. No, no, Mount, Mount was. Oh, 55, 55, 55. Mount, yeah. But 
Yeah, I don't oh, think I'll settle honestly... for Bruno because I don't think I'll settle for that. I think I'll want regular team players like. No, that's what I mean. Games. I mean, Bruno, Bruno becomes not a starter in the team. I think Mount becomes the cam potentially. I think if. <laughs> I don't think you can drop Bruno. I think it's hard. It's hard to, to drop like that. Yeah, but when you look at, oh, I love Bruno. I think Bruno's class, but he's very reckless with the ball. He does lose the ball a lot. And when you look at Ten Hag's Ajax team, it wasn't built around players. I mean, I think Tadic used to be a bit like it, but beyond that, the rest of the team were very conscious about keeping the ball. And if you want to play that kind of way, then having Rashford and Bruno in the team it's a bit too much, isn't. Yeah. yeah, you've got two players then who are quite reckless with the ball, who think they can do things on their own. You know, you kind of have to pick one or the other. And I think in that situation, when you've got Mount and you don't really have a Rashford replacement, it has to be Bruno that goes out. Not that I would like to see it happen. I love Bruno Fernandez. He's probably my favourite player at United, like since Ronaldo. To be honest, like just absolutely love him. I think he's class. But he's not on it this season, and we need to get so much better at controlling the ball. Like that's one of the biggest things we do. Ne- we never control the ball. We never control the games. And then every, but every time, Eric, I think Ericsson, in these last three games, we've won them all. We've not been good in the first half. Ericsson comes on second half, and all of a sudden we are well. infinitely yeah. better. And so then it makes you think. I think you have to get Ericsson back into this team. He made us good last year. I know we can get run pass offensively, but actually now we've got Amrabat and Casemiro. You know, if you play them two with Ericsson in front of them, you've got a very, very solid midfield there. I think Amrabat is decent on the ball as well and gets around the pitch. So if he can supplement Ericsson's legs and you've got Casemiro to do defensive work and he's actually been good on offence as well this year, then you've got a much better midfield. I don't like seeing Bruno on the right, but maybe you chuck him out there just for his creativity and a little bit of craziness every now and again. Yeah. But even then, I don't think... It's tough, isn't it, United? It doesn't, yeah. There's no clear, there's no clear be all and end all that makes a team better. Yeah. yeah, there's no, you know, other clubs you can say, oh, they need this position, need that position. At United, it's like, yeah, they could do the better right winger. Yeah, they could probably do the better left winger or another one. Yeah, they could do the backup striker. Yeah, they could probably do another centre mid. Yeah, probably could do a centre back. But it's not like any of these positions are absolutely screaming. It's just. Yeah, not really balance. great all over. I think yeah. you needed De Jong. I think Frankie De Jong would have took you up that level in terms of becoming the team that becomes stable in possession, keeps the ball well. Because like, yes, yeah, but yes, and no, because if we signed that. if we signed De Jong, we wouldn't have got Casemiro, so we still wouldn't have had a DM. And to see, and if I ever had to watch Frankie De Jong next to, play next to Scott McTominay, I would have just been sad for the affair at Man United. <laughs> like that, it would just be horrendous just for Frankie De Jong to have to be next to that fucking shit house. I'm sure Dion can play on the left card, like left of the midfield three, and then have him like further ahead of Casemiro, and then whoever. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If we signed De Jong, we wouldn't have signed Casemiro, and we didn't put big money into a centre mid this year, did we? Maybe Mount, yeah, fifty-five, but and uh, Amrabat is alone. But even them two together wouldn't be enough. You know, if if the Mount fifty-five, and I think I think Amrabat is twenty million overall, and with ten million we paid in loan fees, so that's still a. 75 million that would not have got you Frankie De Jong this, this year so yeah. it's it's not that easy I think the, to be honest, the way United get better is new owners 100% sale Glazers nowhere near this club anymore complete reset all new coaching staff new scouts new technical director I mean uh, uh, there's obviously a lot of rumours about people like Paul Mitchell and stuff coming in which 
will be good. I mean, there's this. Sorry, I went up around about United a lot, but there has, to be fair, this has been this has been a few weeks where a lot has happened at United yeah. um, with the sales stuff, with Sir Bobby, with games, with off pitch stuff. Um, Sir Jim has such an easy run to make this club better. Like it's so obvious to everyone I've heard, how he I made the club stuff better. About, um, Sir Jim saying that he'd want Graham Potter in if he took over United. I was like, I, I saw that. I have to. I have to assume that that is. Um, like Chinese whispers happened here, and, you know, it's not it's not so Jim that said that, you know, it's someone at Ineos who heard him once say like Graham Potter or something like that. You know, you'd hope so because if he seriously thinks that Graham Potter would help Man United right now, he's clueless, and we are going to struggle for another ten years until they all go because that would be horrendous. Graham Potter is is a worse manager than Eric. Ten- he's he's not as good as Eric Ten Hag. He's done yeah. less than Eric. Ten- he, yeah, he's his Brighton team played great football, like Ten Hag's Ajax team did. But Ajax got to the semi-final Champions League, rebuilt the team twice, and was still class. Let me ask Graham you. Potter went you, to a good you, team and was shit. Let me ask you: Do you think Ten Hag would have done what Potter did at Brighton with the setup at Brighton? Yeah. yeah because it, I think so too. But but what you can level at both of them, what you can level at both of them is that they were good managers, but they were helped by a good background, Hierarchy, like in yeah. the club. Yeah, you know, good scouts, good youth academy, good, good smart sign-ins. Yeah. Exactly, that kind of thing was helping in, in both situations. But you still saw, like, that Ajax team was, um, that one that got semi-final and was robbed of not getting to the final, really, by Spurs, was unbelievable. Um, And actually, and look how bad Ajax are now, mate. Ajax are in the relegation Fuck, zone. Massively. Yeah. Manchester sucked that, everything, yeah. Exactly, and that's it. And if you look at that situation, think about that as well. Really, when the, the background of the club is probably still the same, and they had a bit of controversy in there. Was it Mark Overmars something being done for something? I think some, there's a few there's a few things that have gone wrong in the back stuff, but generally the club is the same as it was with Ten Hag, and look how bad they are now. Um, Van der Sar, he's well, Van der he he had the yeah he had the um, heart attack or a stroke, I think it was in hospital. Brain aneurysm? No, some, brain aneurysm maybe. God, this is how much has gone on this season. That would normally be massive. I loved Evan Van der Sar. I mean, he was a goalkeeper when I was a kid, man. I used to fucking love Van der Sar. And um, that would be strong in my head if there, if this season wasn't just fucking constant bombardment from United and the things going on around it. So much um, But yeah, for Sir Jim, when he comes in, as long as he doesn't make Graham Potter the manager straight away, it's so easy to make the club better. You know, get a director of football that knows what they're doing. Get a CEO that knows what they're doing, change the board, get some new coaches in, get some high quality staff, improve like the, you know how Brentford do their signings, do like the money ball thing, like the uh, statistical breakdown of players, like bringing that a bit more, like statistical analysis of players before you sign them, um, bringing down wages, which is weird. Most clubs yeah, are you, getting new owner. They're saying the opposite, they're saying get more, get more players in, but give them more money to get better players. We're at United, it's, Stop giving people so much money because yeah. we can never sell Need them and they don't live up to it. Lower these, like it's really easy to make United better. So he should have a clean run at doing it. But then I don't think he's actually all this guff about him having the full power of the footballing side makes absolutely no sense because how is he owning less? How is he owning a quarter of the club having full control of the football inside when he doesn't pay? When he doesn't cut the checks? Do you know what I mean? It's not him that says. This year we've got 300 million transfer or 200 or 100, whatever. It's always going to be the Glazers. And even if Paul Mitchell finds an amazing young talent 
and they want to pay 15 million for him from some unknown league, the Glazers go, nah, we don't know who this is. He's not going to make us any money on sales because no one knows who he is. We're not paying 50 million for him. Like that's that's a decision made, isn't it? It's not to Jim then, it's not Paul Mitchell then, it's not uh Brailsford or whatever then. It's still going to be the Glazers making choices. And I think United are going to struggle, mate. With especially looking at how good so many teams are in the Prem now, mate. We we could really, really struggle for a long time. Like I thought the sale, I was so excited about the sale. I really thought finally, finally United will get back to where they should always be based on their stature. And I just don't think it's happening. Um, let's move on before I just ramble any more about United. We'll talk about the other side of uh, Manchester uh, City beating Brighton 2-1. Uh, Brighton let me down a little bit. I thought it'd be a bit better. Um, they they, Brighton. Yeah. And they have had a few games like that, haven't they? Like the, when they got smacked up by Villa and stuff. They've had a couple of them, Brighton. Still a very good team, though. Um, haven't got loads written down for this, even though I watch the highlights. All I have is Doku looks class. Always does. He is a bit know. of a joke. Obviously, a great ball for Alvarez for that goal that he gets. And amazing that Haaland scores a goal from outside the box to be fair it's probably the best goal we scored at City it was a proper banger really good bottom corner um, and the only other thing I've got is the Akanji second yellow means Kanate should have had a second yellow yeah like, that's, where, that, that's where I really question it like where's the consistency then if you can yeah. Akanji's booked for that and then look at Kanate I just don't get it it happens every week doesn't it now to the point where like, yeah. it really surprise you anymore 100% but, um, 100%. Yeah, Brighton winless in the last five games in all competitions. I know they've had like a, a rough run of games. Like the play does, and it all started when they lost to us in the FA Cup or Carabao Cups. Um, and they weren't great against us. And then after that, they've had some tough games. And yeah, it's just, I think they'll get back to winning games, but it's just a bit of a blip for them, really. Um, the thing is, they're, they're really good, aren't they, Brighton? But, but just, they I might also get overrated a little bit. I think they're getting overrated a little bit because yeah, their team, their team plays amazingly together, but it's it's actually it's not as full of quality as it has been. You know, without Caicedo and McAllister there now as well, it's not as good as it was. And yeah, when they're winning, they're amazing. When it's not going their way, it it's, yeah. it can be quite difficult, can't it? I I think we'll see them throughout the season get hit with a couple. I wouldn't say thrashing for like, early, but I'd say like they will lose games here and then. And I think it's a realisation of, like, let's not get carried away with Brighton and Deserve because, like, as good as they have done, they're still lacking. I said, I watched them play, they do lack height a bit in defence and midfield because they are quite a small team when you look at the midfield, especially Gilmore, um, mm. Lallana. Um, yeah, I said, they do lack, like, they are vulnerable, I'd say, um, in some areas. Um, Solly March is out now. He got a knee injury in against the game against United. Uh, City, sorry. Um, so they're going to lose him for That's a big long. loss. That's a big loss of Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I know they've got Fatty and Mitoma, but. Um, Fatty yeah, got the goal, didn't he, to be fair? Yeah. That was quite good to see. Um, actually, funny enough, I I was working at the pub on Saturday uh, at Back Angle, the White Hart, shout out. And a Brighton fan was in there then. Just chatting to him generally and to their Brighton fan, I was like, oh, lucky you. I'd rather be a Brighton fan than the United fan at the moment. Um, kind of just talking generally about players now and I was saying how good Matoma was, and he was going out. Uh, I think it might have been a girl, anyway. They were like, Oh, um, Matoma's actually not been great the last couple of games, he's been struggling a little bit. 
Uh, and that would be quite concerning for, for Brian because he's when he's on it, he's an unbelievable player. But I, to be honest, I haven't watched the Brighton games recently, not, not full games at least. My watch highlights, I haven't watched any of the full games, so I haven't really seen much of him. But thinking about it, watching the City highlights, I don't think there was a single highlight that was Matoma when normally he's making three or four runs a game that would get into a highlight reel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he has been here quite, to be fair. I mean, to be fair, ever since I put him in my FPL, he's not really got me any points. Yeah, I think I had two good weeks from him and now he's thinking, yeah, I need to get rid of him. Um, yeah, um, but I think to be fair, they're in Europe as well, aren't they? Like they're playing every few days now, and it's sort of hitting them more than they expected. To be fair, that's that's what we said that early. Uh, me and Benji, maybe it was in maybe it was in the episode you were on as well, but with Villa, Newcastle, and Brighton, how uh, European football would affect their season would be really interesting to see. Um, I mean, Villa and Newcastle, in fairness, are still looking very good, but yeah, Brighton has struggled a bit, haven't they? Because, well, they lost to Pauk, didn't they? Was it free? Uh, there was a Pauk, uh, or AEK Athens, in fact, wasn't it? The Greek team. They lost them first game of their group stage, I think 3 2. It was away from home, but yeah, that it was, to Athens, was definitely yeah, a shocker. Yeah. There you go. Um, and that was a bit of a shocker. And maybe, yeah, Europe is affecting them and affecting their fitness, affecting their intensity a little bit. So we'll see with Brighton. They're still a very good team, and I do think they'll beat good teams on their day. But a little it's bit frail at times, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, look at a prem table right now. Think about the seasons these two teams have had. Man United are one point behind Brian. That's mental. United have been terrible. Do you know what I mean? United have been yeah. so poor. And Brighton have been up. really good, and Brighton have been spoken about so much having this amazing season. But they're, yeah. I mean, Newcastle, in all fairness, as well, are only a point ahead of United. I don't know how that's a false position for United. I don't know how we've managed to creep in there, but we'll take it. Uh, let's go on to. Have you spoken about Villa West Ham? No, no. I don't think we have. So we'll go on to that one because that's a, that's a great game. I actually watched that game start to finish. Um, sorry, Spencer. It was a tough one for your boys. But Villa, mate, top class. They're so good. Every time I watch it, every time you watch it under Emery, you know what you're gonna get. And they they actually out for. They're West exciting. Ham. Tactically, they had West Ham like on toast. Mm. They just dominated. Like they quite the pace in the in attack as well. DRB bringing Bailey off the bench. They got Tielemans off the bench. They've got quality players, but like even just the defense, it's just solid all around, isn't it? Watkins assist for the first Douglas Luiz goal, which was a banger from Douglas Luiz, but it's a really good assist. And then his goal as well, where he does a few step-ups, doesn't he? Fucking blasts it into the yeah. top of the keeper. Was it weak foot as well, wasn't so, it? So, so good. I think so, yeah. Left foot, I think. Um, but, like, everyone everyone this season has been saying, you know, Spurs are amazing to watch. Arsenal are amazing to watch. Liverpool are amazing to watch. Villa, mate, I have not, I have not really heard people saying how good they are to watch. When you watch their games, mate, they're really good. They are consistently attacking, attacking, attacking. Balls down the wing, yeah. Diaby might run out there. Um, Bailey maybe comes on, yeah, and runs out there. John McGinn even is a really Solid good player. player. Yeah. Um, the Villa are really good to watch. I remember watching this game and, and really being on it and not really being able to take my eyes off it. I thought it was so good. Like, normally when I watch other teams, I'm a bit more like that. You know, I'll be on my phone a little bit more. I'm not paying as much attention. But I was literally just, like, glued to it. I was like, watching Villa play is really nice. They play really good stuff and their players do show up. 
Douglas Ruiz, I think six six games in a row at home he scored in. That's unbelievable. Got a brace as well in that game. Uh, yeah, Watkins, unbelievable. Boy off the bench. How, how scary is that? You're you're a left back or a right back, and you've been you've been getting run at by Diaby all game. And then Leon Bailey comes on the 70th minute and you go, yeah. what are you doing here? You're not in a racist way. Just don't. Why? Why you got to do this to me? Come on. Like, you'd be knackered and you see him come on. You've got, you got no chance. Um, so relentless in the attack and so dangerous in so many areas. Yeah, Douglas Louise, Watkins, the RB, Bailey, McGinn. Um, Matty Cash has been doing really well. Digne as well. So, so both sides of the fullbacks as well. Got good players you can put the ball in. Do you know what I mean? That they're a really good team, Villa. And I I can't wait to see where they do where they go this season. I think if they keep playing like they have been, they're going to be close to top four. Don't think they'll be in top four, but they'll be close. I reckon they'll, they'll on points. I reckon they won't be far off. And I think they lift that Europa Conference League piece of piss. But if they're playing like this, they they oh, piss God, that competition. Yeah. Um, to not just talk about Villa, we talk about West Ham as well. Really not as good as we've seen from West Ham. Yeah, West Ham have having a really good season. Yeah, I think to, in all fairness, for how much Spencer won't like this, let's be real. West Ham were overperforming, beating you lot three one. Didn't they beat Brighton three one after that? Um, was it Brighton? It was definitely you three one, and then someone yeah, else three one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I picked up a few good results here and there, but yeah, not quite there. And, and it's funny. Um, Spencer was saying that Mikel Antonio needs to wind his neck in a little bit effectively and chill out on his podcast. And in this game, he was quite poor. He wasted quite a few chances. There was quite a few times where he, he and Spencer rightly as well said that he likes to slip out to the left too much. But at striker, he likes to go out, drift out wide to get into space. There. And he did this quite a few times in this game and then wasn't inventive enough with the ball to create a chance for someone else. And the ball he's putting in would only be the only player on the West Ham team that gets on that is him or maybe Suchek or something like that. And like just wasn't really wasn't the best game uh, at yeah. all for Mikel Antonio. I think Jared Bowen was like the only player where he can like go out of that game you know, going, you know what, I actually played well. Because he was, he, every time I watch Jared Bowen, he's always like putting his all in. He actually does well. Um, well but, that, game, what, that game especially did well. It gets, it gets a nice goal to be fair from far away. Literally, all I wrote was West Ham weren't as good as they have been so far, but Bowen getting a goal should keep his momentum going, which could just save them games because he is really good and he's Jared Bowen. Yeah, it's quality. He, especially last season, he was good. This season, he's been just as good. Um, no, he's yeah. he's another player that Southgate should be looking at for England because it's a bit like Andy Gordon. You know, these aren't these star spangled players that you you think of straight away and go, they're amazing. But actually, they are good players, mate, and they do get goals and they do make differences in games. Just because they don't play for the biggest team or the yeah. the team that's winning the prem doesn't mean they're not a good player. Like, and if anything, it's quite it's more impressive being in these teams and work, and working harder and not just being surrounded by the best other quality players and still doing so well. Um, I think Bowen's like, really lucky, like, because you've got Ford in the head of you at right wing. You got Sterling probably. I mean, I know he's not in the squad, is he actually Sterling? I don't think he's been called up for the next um, international break. But yeah, yeah I but think Sterling Bowen's in my mind is like. Sterling in my mind's a left wing, and if I was, if I wasn't, if for Foden as well, he's either central or left sided for me. I think that right hand side, Saka is obviously the, is going to be yeah. the starter, of course. But I don't. I can't think of someone off the top of my head that stops 
that stops Bowen being a second choice right winger or a right winger that you could bring on or play against a weak team to give Saka a rest. Because he's still good, mate. Jarabone is still a very good player. And I think actually, if you give a player like that an England shirt, they will they'll put a serious commitment in. I mean, they're gonna put everything Don't, on out there. Yeah, yeah. They're not gonna be complacent because they're not wearing as heavy a shirt every week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um he's a good he's player. Been, he's been brilliant. Yeah. But the thing is, like we talk about West Ham and like the group of players that they have, I do think they have the quality to play. I don't want to say like expansive football, but I think they should they should definitely be doing better than I cannot have overachieved, but when you look at the signings that they made and the way they played against us and Brighton, like the midfield is solid. Defence probably not well, that this... great, but the attack Pakatar as well, they managed to keep all the V. Yeah. Ball in he had a bad game, which I think massively made their performance drop West Ham. Pakatar had a bad game against Villa. He really struggled as well. Yeah, I mean, he did have some moments for like some flare moments where he managed to like keep hold of the ball and play a few nice passes. But yeah, I wouldn't say. He did but it wasn't as good as he. Not he wasn't as good yeah. as the standard that Pakatar has set. Um, but maybe the, like you're saying though, they've got quality players and they can do things with the players they have. But it, maybe this is just what you're going to see from West Ham. You know, it's just inconsistent. Good some games, not not great others because it they do rely potentially on a certain few players to bolster that team, like Paqueta, like Suchek, having a good game, Alvarez, whoever it may be. Obviously, Alvarez gave away that penalty, didn't he, as well, which definitely doesn't help. Um, but yeah, both, te- both teams are interesting. Both teams, like, for the season, are doing differently, maybe from how they're expected or better, better than was expected, potentially. Um, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where both of them end up because at the moment, they're both looking... Top half, I mean, maybe West Ham drop off, but pretty good, both of them. Well, um, right. Go on to the Spurs form game. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they were. That was um, Monday night football viewing, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think credit again to Poster Coglu, isn't it? Because Spurs are still on unbe- Spurs alongside Arsenal are still undefeated in the league. And do you, like you watch Spurs are one of those teams where you watch them like now and you know what you're gonna get from them because like it's the same with Arsenal, same with a couple of other teams that I mentioned before. But Madison, Son, they got like quality up in attack. Midfield is solid. Saar, Bisuma who didn't play, but Hoiberg came in and did well. Defense was solid, and it was just like the thing is that Postecoglou said post match that they weren't that great in the second half and he didn't enjoy it like the second half um, performance. And to be fair, like they did take the foot off the gas, but they still won at home 2 0, kept a clean sheet. And Fulham, they, they've not been that great this season, but yeah, I think Spurs are like really exciting. It hates me to say it as like a Chelsea fan, but when you're watching a manager come in and just instantly change them and get them playing like proper football from the start, and then they're getting results, they got a draw away at Arsenal. Like they just. They're doing everything right at the moment. And they probably should have won that game as well against Arsenal. I think I think they actually got a bit unlucky not to win that game. Um, yeah. I, first off, Harry Kane, you've had a stinker, my son. If if Kane was still in that team now, I'd be frightened to see how well they would be doing. I think. I don't know. Actually, a lot. I think. I think. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I think because I that means Richarlison, instead of Richarlison playing, you've got Harry Kane playing. That's it. You, there's no world where that isn't a better team. 
uh, but then someone will say like they attacked more fluid without Kane, who just likes to no hold the because what's and... Madison? Yeah, but Madison's been added. That's the thing. Madison is playing out of his skin at the moment. I think he he. I think Postecoglou is kind of lucky of how good Madison has been because Son's been in great form, but he's been in great form because Madison is tearing up with him. Um, obviously, Basuma been really solid this year. Saad been really solid. Pedro Poro been good. Um, Adorky. Romero and, and um, Van der Ven have been very solid. Like their signings have really worked out this year, which and it's not taken anything away from Postecoglou. He's clearly a very good manager, very smart guy, uh, very likable guy as well. Um, but this is it's one of them years where yeah kind of all of the signings have really worked out and suddenly players in the past have have really come in come into form at the exact right time do you know what I mean and I wouldn't put it part for how good they are and how much my brain and my heart says oh they're going to tear up all year and maybe they'll challenge City I do still see them having oh, a Spurs no. moment yeah, yeah. Uh, I do see their steam run out maybe um, I think an injury to Madison or sign and then. They'll fall off quite drastically. I think Mad- if I think Madison is the biggest one. I think even with I think even if Sun got injured, I think they'd still be okay because Madison can create chances so good so that yeah. Richarlison or Kulazewski can score them. Um, but yeah, Bayern are like fourth in the Bundesliga as well, which is mental. Um, they're they're not left are absolutely tearing, aren't they? But that's still wild. And yeah, I was just thinking that I, I saw it's because I saw someone today saying Spurs are better without Kane. Which obviously, if you're looking at stats on the on points on the table, then yeah. But yeah, they are, but I think if right now, if their front four was Madison at Cam, Sun left, Kane centre, Kulusevski on the right, they'd have fucking forty goals already. Like <laughs> they'd they'd be absolutely ripping teams to shreds. Um, and I'm kind of here for it. It's kind of funny to me to uh, if. If Spurs were to win a trophy this year and Bayern somehow didn't win a single one, I know it's kind of a joke that everyone's made, it would be the best thing. It'd be hilarious. It would be hilarious. It would be so, so funny. And I would love to I would love to see it. Um and another player actually who I don't think has been getting enough praise this year, because Spurs have been getting a lot of praise and all the players are getting loads of praise. Vicario, mate, in goal. I solid, think he's been so solid. solid. He was he was good against United. It was the first time I'd like watched him properly. He's made so many good saves this year. And you know, having a good keeper that you can rely on absolutely breeds confidence into a team. When you know your keeper is solid, the rest of the team doesn't poo their pants every time the other team attack. Do you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't think he's really getting the praise that he deserves, to be honest, for how well he's been playing. Yeah, I think distribution of what I've seen from him has been good. Shot stopping, he's made a good few saves. Um, yeah, I think it just... And he wasn't signed for much either as well, was it? So, like, it's a low-risk sign. Well, no, because they were going to sign Raya, weren't they? They were going to sign Raya. And then I think Brentford said to Spurs 40 million, and they said, no, that's too much. They went for Vicario, I think it was 15, maybe, maybe 18. Bargain. Kind of an unheard of as well, like not unheard of. You know, there's there's people who will have heard of him. There's probably people who would have been singing his praises, saying he deserves his prem move. But to relatively to the the casual football fan, like he was an unknown and fair play, mate. He's taken on that shirt, obviously from Lloris as well. He's like a Tottenham legend, really. I know he didn't end in the best way, but he is a he is a club legend for Tottenham for how long he played there and how good he was for him. Um. Fair play to it, mate. Young guy as well. 
he, you know, he, he could have a really good future at Tottenham and maybe even one day and move on to a big club that wins things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it'll happen at some point where one of the players gets hit, hits with an injury and then they fall off a bit. But at the moment, like, if you're a Spurs fan, you're loving it because they've had the yeah. best start to the season that they haven't had in a long while. And they're doing everything right, just defensively, creating chances, winning duels, scoring goals, keeping clean sheets. They're just doing everything right, really, aren't they? So, yeah, I really like like Postecoglou, like the way he's, the way he sticks to his like his principles. Like, you either play my way, or you know, you don't. If you don't adapt, then you then you're out. That sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it'll be exciting to see how they get on throughout the season, especially like the latter second half of the season where. The game's coming thick and fast, and then it's very like drop points and just you know what I mean. Like it'll be a big test then, but right now you're loving it as a Spurs fan. Yeah, definitely. Um, with that, we'll move on to our predictions from last week, and then we'll have a couple of our predictions for next week. So, um, do you want to get up you and Spencer's predictions uh, from that week? And I've got mine and Benji's here. And I can tally up the points as well. Um, the first game we'll do is uh, Liverpool-Everton. Uh, Benji predicted 3-0. I predicted 5-0, which is neither obviously spot on, but that's a point each. What was you? Um, what was yours and Spencer's predictions for Liverpool-Everton? Spencer went for 3-0 and I went for 3-0. So everyone got the correct result. No one got the correct score. Liverpool obviously been a little bit poorer than we all expected in that game. Um, next one, uh, Bournemouth Wolves. Uh, I said I said a Wolves win. I said two 0 though, which is really aggravating. That's so close. Ben said one one. Right. You got that spot on. Two one, yeah. Um, Spencer nice. went for Spencer went for one 0 Wolves. I went for two one. So Spencer gets a point as well. Benji, the only one then not to pick up a point. Fine. I'm I'm lagging behind there. This is concerning me a little bit. Um, Brentford 3-0 Burnley. Uh, I said 1-1. And Benji said a Burnley win. So no points for us. What did you two say? I went for 2-1 Brentford. And Spencer went for 1-0 Brentford. So another point for both you and Spencer. Nothing for me and Benji. I think you're doing pretty well here. Um, next game, Man City, Brighton. Right. I said 3-1 City, which is really annoying. That was close. Uh, Benji Spencer said 3-0. Did he? Spencer, Spencer went 2-1 City. I went 3-0 City. That is unbelievable. You went 3-1 as well. Uh, I went 3-0. Okay, so we all got at least a point. Spencer with a big three, mate. Oh, I'm falling behind. I need I need two correct scores here to catch up. This is not going well for me. Um, what is the next game on the list? Newcastle Palace four nil. Oh, I've got it right. Two nil. Spencer's got it right. Spencer went four nil. No way. Yeah, four. You got it both right. Bloody hell. Um, that is mental. Spencer is climbing up the table right now. I just get the one point. Benji gets the one point. What did you put? I went for two nil. Nah. You lot are tight. You lot are tight between you. Oh, I'm really lagging. 
next one. Nottingham Forest, Luton, 2-2. Two, two. I said... Benji said nil-nil to get that. A point for that. I said 1-0 Forest. Ugh, I'm having a stinker. Spencer went for 1-0 Luton. I went for 2-0 Forest. So Benji, the only person to predict the draw there. Fair play, Benji. Full knowledge. Uh, Chelsea, Arsenal. I know we. Uh, you might have got a point there. Definitely, everyone else said Arsenal win. I guarantee. Yeah, I went for one-one. Uh, Spencer went for so two-one got... Arsenal. Yeah, yeah Spencer went. I, Spencer I went said two-one two Arsenal. Yeah. So do I? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I get a point. Or, um... You get a point for that, which puts you just into the lead. You lucky little thing. Sheffield United versus Man United. I predicted United win, and only I said 3-1 again, and it was 2-1. But, but Benji, obviously being a prick that he is, said 1-0 Sheffield United, so he doesn't get a point for that. <laughs> both, of, um, both of me and Spencer went for 2-0 United. <sighs> Thank, oh, I don't know how either of you backed our defence to keep a clean sheet. That is wild. Uh, Villa-West Ham. I said 2-1 Villa, to be fair, so I get a point. Benji said 1-1, which gets him nothing. Spencer went for 2-1 West Ham, and I went for a 2-2 draw. Oof, so I'm fucking, I get a point, but I need a lot more than just one to catch up here. Uh, and the last one, Spurs, Fulham. I said 3-0. Mate, that's three games this, this weekend. I've been one goal off. What a shithouse. Uh, and Benji said three words. We'll both have one point for that. And I'm guessing Spencer, Spencer got it spot on. Spencer went for three nil. I went for four nil. So. Oh, yeah, so everyone gets close. everyone gets one. Yeah. Jesus, right? So the scores at the end of this game week are Vic, you are out in front, same as first week on 32. Spencer and Benji both tied on 29, and I'm lagging on 24. I am struggling. This that's is not a good gap. times for me. That's that's only two correct results. It can happen. I've seen I've seen crazier things happen. All right, we'll we'll be there. Um. So now we can look into our predictions for next week. Uh, the boys have sent us their predictions, but we don't. We won't say that. We'll leave that as a little surprise for the listeners for next week to see if they see who has ball knowledge out of all of us. But me and you can give ours, Vic. Uh, so our Friday, first game of the weekend is Crystal Palace Tottenham at Crystal Palace. I'm gonna say two 0 Tottenham. Tricky one, yeah. Uh, I'll go for two 0 Spurs. Right, write it down. Oh, I don't know. I'll do it. I'll write it down. I'll write it down, son. So you're going two 0 Spurs as well. Yeah. Um, Chelsea Brentford. Um, that's a tough one, you know. Chelsea aren't great. Two. Brentford aren't great. I'm gonna go for two one Chelsea. I'm gonna go. Top thirty is you still have to predict because we could easily just come out slow and sluggish. But I might go two go... two. You know, no one one. In fact. I think we'll win though after the Arsenal disappointment. I think we'll win. We have to. I'm I don't think you one. do have to. I think you get over fight, over inflamed, and Mudrick has another disaster class. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, 
Arsenal Sheffield United is the next game. Um, oh, actually, I was going to say four 0 on Insect there, but Arsenal haven't been as good as you expect them to be. Three three nil. I'm going to say. I'm going to go. I'll go three nil as well. Oh, copy me, mate. Just knowing that you can just keep your fucking eight point lead on me just by copying all of my results and just stay that little bit ahead. You bastard. Um, next game, uh, Bournemouth Burnley. And it's good that they both start with bore because that will be an absolute bore fest. <laughs> boring Bournemouth and boring Burnley having a bore fest. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know with this one. They come to go for a home win. I'm gonna say one nil Bournemouth. Fick one Bournemouth one. <sighs> Burnley nil. Benji will not be happy with you, mate. I might go. I might go one one. Both. Both stinking teams. Yeah, but they're both terrible at the front and the back. So I just think anything they can do, they can do better. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Stinkers from both sides. Uh, Wolves Newcastle was a late kickoff that day. <sighs> can't see Newcastle. I can't see Wolves getting anything from that. I'm gonna go three one Newcastle. I think Wolves will get a goal, but they won't win. I'm gonna go three. I think that's. I think that's so confident in the Wolves. Um, I don't think Wolves score. I think Newcastle's defence is too solid. And, I mean, unless Pedro Neto does some damage, that's the only that's the only person Huang He Chan's what I mean, but I think Newcastle are way too good. So I'm going to go 3 0 Newcastle. Yeah, you know what? I'll change mine. I'll go 2 0. Uh, oh, look at this. Use my reason and change it as if you're not beating me anyway. Stick with your gut, mate. Stick with your 3 1. Hope we snide. I'll go. I think Wolves will score. But I'll go. You can, I'll stick with three one. I'll stick with three one. Yeah, good, correct. Right. Uh, also, to be fair, just come looking at this now. Why was this weekend's fixture so weird? Why was there eight games on Saturday, one on Sunday, one on, one on Monday yeah, night? So Monday. weird. And then in the next week, it's one on Friday, four on Saturday, five on Sunday. Like it's so weird, mate. Yeah. I don't get. What, they seem every weekend seems like a different amount each day, and I'm just like just split them up. If you want to do even if you want to do Friday Monday night football, do one on Friday, four on Saturday, four on Sunday, one on Monday, or five on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. Like it could be balanced out so much better than having fucking eight games on one day. Like it's so difficult to keep up with all the games. And like for when we're trying to do this and stuff, and you're trying to like keep an eye on the scores, see the goal scores, look at the stats and stuff. There's so many games going on; it's just absolutely impossible. And I think it takes away a bit of the hype for each of the games. Um, right, West Ham Everton is the first game on a Sunday. I'm gonna go oh. two 0 West Ham. West Ham. I don't think I don't score. It won't surprise me if they did, but I'm I was gonna go two one to West Ham, and I just think Calvert Lewin will get up, get one in, but James or Prowse something will get a, get a brace or a brace of assists. Um, Aston Villa Luton. That's a high score, isn't it? 
I think they'll rotate, won't they? Because I think they'll rotate it to the end. I'll be, I'll, I'll go 3-0 Villa. 3-0. I'm gonna go 5-0 Villa. And, and back them. And just hope that that's the that's the if they if if Villa can get four against West Ham, they can get five against Luton. That's what that's what I'm thinking in my head here. If I get five to right, I'm sorry, I'll get four points because that's a huge, that's a huge shout. Um, so what are you saying? Three, three nil, did you say? Yeah, I got three nil. Go safe. Boring. <laughs> uh, next game, Brighton, Fulham. That's it. I, I do I've not really liked guessing Brighton's game this season because every time I back them to do well they struggle and every time I think they might have struggled they'll just they just end up winning I'm going to go 3-1 Brighton I can see him conceded I'll go 3-1 though. I think Charlie to win this um, they have to win don't they I might I might just go 2-0 no solid march no well, not no Matoma, but no Matoma not quite at his best. But yeah, Fulham aren't great, are they? Uh, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest. That's... What do you think? I can see him conceding early on to Liverpool. I can actually see it. But then them turning it around as usual. I'm going to go for a... Who's to go after Forest? They've got near, near the um, dead rubber goal. Um, I'm going to go for 3-0. I'll go 3-0. Oh, 3-0. No, I was thinking 3-1. I could see, yeah, Lango or Ayaniwi or something getting yeah. a goal, but just because Liverpool is so open, that's the only thing. Um, then we come to the big game of the weekend and the one that I fear above all else. Half three kickoff, is that because of the time changes? E- maybe. I didn't thought about that. Yeah, but that, no, nah, it can't be. It can't be because then the the West Ham Everton game would be twelve o'clock, wouldn't it? Which don't normally have a twelve o'clock kickoff on a Sunday. That's not often, that's, that, that's at one o'clock, the West Ham, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying, is it? Because the, so the clock's changing. I didn't do... I don't even know. Um, no idea. Maybe. Derby, um, so, I can see a draw coming from the derby. And I don't know, but then can City have possibly drop points again? And I don't know. I, just, I can definitely see a draw like United just grapping a, nil, a 1-1 or something. I'm going to go for... Like, City should really turn up and just win, like, 2 3 no, but... Like, you never know, like, with United, they like, can just turn up, the fans turn up, and then that's it. We saw it last season as well, didn't we, when you were actually good, and you won, and... I've... 
I think is I don't want to sway what you say. I want to get your response before I make my points because I'm going to say my stuff and you're going to just definitely back like a 5 0 City win. Um, I only got four. Um, City 2 1. 2 1. Mate, fucking hell. If we're sat here next week and United have only been beaten 2 1, I will be pretty happy. I think this has got 4 1 City written all over it. Haaland to get Haaland to get a brace in the first half, Doku to get one, and Foden maybe, and we'll just get a penalty or Garnacho. You know, it'll be one 0 down, and Nana will ping a long ball. Garnacho will get on it, and, we'll, and it'll be one 0 and then they'll be going, oh, "Maybe you're not going to do it," and they're just going to get fucking spaffed. United are so bad, so bad at the moment. Honestly, this is so embarrassing, and you should always back your team. I should, I should be back in the draw really, but. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say we're gonna lose because if if we don't lose, I'll be so happy <laughs> that I won't care about the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am quite concerned. Uh, but like you say, the derbies you never know, and there has been there's been so many years where United have been clearly the worst team coming into it, massive underdog, and then end up getting a result. And it has happened in the past, but. Normally in the past, there's still something that you could look at in the team and say that might save us. Whereas in the team at the moment, it's like you look at it and go, what's which part's going to let us down today? How many of these players are going to let us down today? Um, and yeah, I have a bit of a fear in me. So if I'm not on the next pod, you guys, you know it's because we got slapped up like 8 0 at home. City break the record of a 10 0 or something, and I'll just be putting a toaster in the bath with me after so that could be the way it goes um but there we go that's our, our predictions for game week 10 we've got the uh, other boys predictions ready vic is leading on that but let's see how long that lasts hopefully not too much longer hopefully i'll jump up soon like fbl uh but thank you all for listening make sure you check us out on instagram at power pitches uh spotify apple music bz sounds if you're just one of our mates listening for the fun of it, then share us, mate. Tag us, put on your story, give us a review on the streaming platforms, helps us out. Um, I think we'll have a TikTok soon. I need to get, I need to start pressing Benji to get this website up because I want to start writing some stuff as well. Uh, if anyone listening has an opinion they want to have heard, send it in. Maybe we'll have you on. Um, or if you just want to call one of us an idiot, do that as well because we'll all love it when we get to say that on the podcast but thank you very much for listening thank you for coming on Vikram it's been a pleasure and uh, we'll catch you next week make sure you stay tuned to the power pitches all season long cheers